0: God is not a God of disorder or confusion, but is the God of peace. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. We also have the prophetic message as something completely reliable, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a light shining in a dark place. Until the day dawns and the morning stars rise in your hearts. You are tuning in to the Tribe of Christians podcast with host Brandon Dawson, the Chief Center, bringing you a peace of mind, clarity, insight, and perspective to the world you live in by the word of God, featuring the latest updates on end time prophecy news. Don't forget to subscribe to the Tribe of Christians broadcast either on Stitcher, Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Facebook, or YouTube at tribeofchristians.com. Without further ado, here is your host and teacher, The Chief Center.
1: Welcome, and thank you for tuning in to the Tribal Christians podcast. I am your host, the Chief Sinner. Is it a coincidence or a sin that we worship on Sunday versus Saturday, the Sabbath? Is there a purpose for both Saturday and Sunday? In this episode, I'm going to reveal the truth behind both Saturday and Sunday worship, the difference between God the Father and God the Son, and the purpose between Jew and Gentile. Christianity gets its roots from Judaism. The Old Testament centers on the establishment of Israel and the people of Israel, and prophesies the hope of salvation through the Messiah Jesus all the way into the New Testament. But the New Testament Gospels includes both the integration of the Gentiles and Jewish people, and it teaches how both of us, how all of us, ought to treat one another as the body of christ as we seek after jesus there is always the reverence and respect of the jewish people the jewish customs and traditions since after all it is where jesus came from and where our bible originates from however what is the difference between judaism and christianity where do we draw the line if there is a line to be drawn Many Christians argue that Christians should observe the Sabbath and worship services on Saturday, according to the Old Testament laws. And other believers say that because of Jesus and because of the New Testament, that the Sabbath no longer matters and we should continue to worship on Sundays. Which one is correct? And does it even matter? It's the same reason why all of the holidays and times were changed from Israel to the church such as the birth of Jesus, also known as Christmas, Passover into Easter, Pentecost, and even the times, the dates, and calendars. A lot of Christians and Messianic Jews claim that it was man and pagans who changed these holidays to accommodate paganism rituals. Many churches and Christians have been divided on this topic since the very beginning. But it is significantly important to note that regardless of what is going on and above all else, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 14, not to let these things divide us, not to fight over it, and to pursue peace and unity among one another. Do not let anything inspire you to condemn another brother or sister in Jesus, especially on the basis of nationality, bloodline, or tradition. Don't let anything lead you to downcast one another, as Paul argues, for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of love. Because the purpose behind it all, as I will show you, it is peace, and it is unity among believers, among Christians, all of us of all backgrounds, all nations, all people groups, every single person under Christ, and that through Christ, all are accepted and saved. Isn't this what's going on right now among the body of Christ, among the church? We're allowing denominationalism, traditions, theologies, and nationalities divide us. For some of us, it's a reason of privilege, honor, and glory. But to others, it's a means of judgment and condemnation towards one another. Just because somebody doesn't look like us, just because they don't talk like us, just because they don't believe 100% of the details that we believe, doesn't mean that they aren't one of us. If they live through Christ Jesus, and if they follow Christ Jesus, if they are repentant through Christ Jesus, then they are a brother and sister in Christ Jesus. Now, God did not intend for division because of traditions, but rather it is through his son, Christ Jesus, that God has orchestrated faith as a means of unity, of bringing us all together just as it is in heaven where he is. There is no division or denominationalism in heaven. There is no one way over another. But there is only Christ's way in his kingdom. And it's glorious because of his love. Now let me tell you something. I've had dreams and I've had visions of what heaven is like. And I've seen it multiple times. And there is one thing that holds us all together. Every single time I've been there, every single one of us, when we get up there, when the time comes, every single one of us, and we're there together. And if you look around to your left or to your right, you'll notice that Jesus is in the front. You'll see the death of Jesus on every single person of every kind, every nation and every people and every person that you talk to. Jesus died for. You don't see nationality or any of that, but you see that every single person who stands or kneels to the next next to you is the same person that Christ died for on the cross as he died for you. It is the very same for each one of us, and that means something. That's the bond that holds us together. Each one of us, all of us were condemned from birth to hell because of our flesh because it's sinful because of the curse of Adam but Jesus is there his glorious light we give him the honor and the glory because without him neither of us nobody who is in heaven would be there So there is this great sense of family. There is this great sense of community, of unity. Nothing else matters because we were all bought for and paid for by the blood of Jesus through his sacrifice on the cross. That's what unites us together. And although when we get up there in heaven... As it is written, all the past has faded away. And although that you won't remember the sins of your past in the way of condemnation of guilt. And although many things will indeed fade away and be forgotten, but the very one thing that will never, ever pass away, that we will ever, we will never forget, will be the very death of Jesus on the cross. His meaning will hold value of all time. It will never lose its value, its purpose, and its meaning. His cross will be before us at all times. And although there are many scriptures from the very mouth of God that says that God never changes, and that the Sabbath was and is indeed on the seventh day of the week, it is Saturday. But yet Jesus said in Matthew eighteen twenty, for where two or three... Are gathered in my name. There I am with them. That is going to be the entire key to focus on. Where two or more are gathered, I am. Never forget that the key and the focus is unity in the promise of Christ. Now Jesus' words here are not conditional. He didn't say where two or three are gathered in his name only on Saturday, the Sabbath day. It wasn't conditional upon a single day. Jesus simply said, when, meaning at any time where two or three are gathered in his name, he is there with them. And Jesus did not say where two or three Jews are, I am there. But no, it is an open invitation for any believer who comes to him in his name, regardless of nationality. So in other words, the Sabbath on Saturday, isn't just about the significance of the day but it's also about the lord it's about jesus jesus is not a liar he doesn't give false promises he doesn't leave any word unaccomplished or unfulfilled but rather he upholds every single word so whether it be on saturday or sunday or any other day of the week if we are gathered we come together according to his name he is there too Now, Romans chapter 14 gives us a clearer picture here concerning the differences between Jewish and Gentile believers in Christ and their traditions. Jesus told them a lot of things. He told his disciples a lot of things on what to do and how to do it. But he didn't really give any specific set of rules specifically about how to conduct worship services and worshiping him. Now, notice the differences between the Heavenly Father and his son, Jesus. Now, they're not really differences, but rather different purposes. But notice the characteristics. The Heavenly Father gave Israel very strict rules in how to conduct worship services in the temple. There is a huge difference between the two styles of worship, between the Jews and the Gentiles. Now, was this because Christ objected to his Father's ways? No. The Heavenly Father gave instructions how to worship. To Israel as a whole for the nation of Israel, but Jesus did not give us specifics and instructions on how the church ought to worship him. There is a very dynamic, very different, very differences, and there is purpose and a reason for both of them. You'll also notice, interestingly, if you read throughout the entire Old Testament in the patterns in which God and how he treats Israel, he treats them as a whole as one group, one people, as one entity. There was no singularity to God when it came to Israel. When there was sin in the camp of just one person, the entire nation was found guilty. The whole nation, every single time you go back and read, they would have, they would have to bring the head of every family in front of God by nation, then by tribe, by clan, and then by family until that guilt was revealed, until the conviction was revealed, until the sin was revealed, and it was removed. Every time God addressed or spoke to a prophet or the nation, it was to the people of Israel as a whole and one unit, and each one was accountable for the other. Every Jewish man and woman was accountable and accounted for each other. Not one was ever greater than the other. If one sinned, That sin was carried by the other. That was God's way of unifying and administering unity throughout Israel, throughout those times in Israel, the Old Testament. That's why you'll notice in the story of the very first brothers in the book of Genesis of Abel and Cain, that God asked Cain, where is your brother? And Cain responded, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? It's why God ordained marriage. It isn't about two, but it's one through two people joined together. Brotherhood, sisterhood, marriage is about unity under God. However, Jesus' approach was different than his Heavenly Father's approach. Jesus focused on the individual, the one out of the 99, and focused on fulfilling his mission to the cross. One by one, he healed every one of them. Look at this verse in Luke 6.19 and the people all and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and he healed them all but his heavenly father's approach was focused on the nation very scarcely did the father reveal his glory to anybody but yet only to a single person scarcely but yet the verse as it is written it says that god is revealed through his son christ jesus in whom he chooses The Father revealed himself to a nation, but Christ revealed himself to the person. Here we are, one by one, God is doing his work, but it's at any place you go in our present time, you've got to stand in line and wait. In some places, it's first come and first serve. So if you're not first, if you're not in the front of the line, then you may not even get seen. But that wasn't how Jesus operated. As many verses say, he healed all of them, every single one of them, one by one and together we make a multitude. But notice also in Matthew 20:16, where Jesus says, the first will be last and the last will be first for many are called, but few are chosen. That's important here. Christ's kingdom, his kingdom given to him by his heavenly father does not see lines the way that we do. It doesn't see order the way that we do. God sees everyone just as they are, where they are. But those who are pushing and fighting for their way to the front, what do we all want? We want to be loved. We want to be noticed by God. We want to be chosen. But understand that verse, that God sees everybody, but those who wait upon him. Patience, humility, as the verse says, those who wait upon him, that's talking about patience that's talking about humility the humble way to go they will mount up like wings of an eagle that means that they'll be exalted the ones that wait upon him they will be lifted up they will share in the glory of christ's kingdom they shall walk and not faint they shall run and not grow weary god the father spoke to israel as one yet jesus left the 99 for the one and then has it changed jesus passed the kingdom to us to his church Jesus left the great commission of the gospel to his disciples to accomplish and spread it. And it's through each and every single person. Each one of the one out of the 99 who make up the entire kingdom of Christ. These two comparisons are very different, but they both serve the same purpose. And it wasn't by accident. It wasn't by coincidence. Between the two... Between how God the Father administered worship and how Jesus administered worship. There is a complete purpose for the both of them. It's not an accident, it's not a coincidence, it isn't sin, it's not satanic or evil. The Great Commission, the gospel message, is also known in Matthew 24, Daniel's chapter seven and nine as the time of the Gentiles. Jesus preached that the end will not come until his kingdom and the gospel message has reached maturity, until it has reached unity, until it has gone out into every tribe, nation, and people group. Now, Jesus was not talking just about the identity of the people or the act of preaching his message. But Jesus is also prophesying about the destination of this great commission, about the time of its fullness, about the character of his kingdom, what it will look like, what the character will resemble, when the time of its fullness and unity in the kingdom has reached a unity, when it reaches when we are serving one another. God's kingdom will be complete when the church has reached maturity and unity. So in other words, when you see churches, and denominations unified, when you see denominationalism done away with, when you see local churches rising up with one another, when you see God's people getting out of the way, getting outside of the four walls and pouring out into the streets and overrun by his love, then you will know that the very season is upon us. So every single one of us should be eager to do away with the vision. Do away with denominationalism. Now, Paul prophesied about this in Ephesians chapter 4. He prophesied when God's kingdom would be complete, when it would happen. He says it in Ephesians 4.13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we All reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become maturity or mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. When we were given these callings, the callings of being a pastor or an apostle or a teacher, we were given these callings in order to pursue unity and maturity in Christ as one. And our time will not be completed or fulfilled until we are able to accomplish this. Until His Spirit is able to accomplish this through us. Until we set it all aside. Until we set denominationalism aside. Until we set aside our uh, personal agendas and we pursue unity. That's what we need to be praying for. Repentance of the church and the coming of unity. We need to be praying for humility. Jesus trained 12 men his disciples, and how to carry his message across the world and equipping them, according to Galatians chapter 5, with all these various gifts and callings. But Jesus didn't give a constitution of discipleship or apostleship. There was no law about governing the church or a set of specific rules on how the church ought to worship Christ. But rather, the law was summed up and the first two commandments, which Christ said, love God and love your neighbor. And by these two things, all laws are fulfilled. Now, Paul emphasized the characteristics and who to appoint as representatives and ministry as elders. But Paul never promoted a hierarchy system in which we have today. Those characteristic traits and how we appoint elders and leaders were not about appointing somebody over anybody but rather it was through humility seeking the traits and characteristics of love and of the spirit which was to appoint a steward to serve god's kingdom leadership isn't about being above or over anybody but rather it's about being under and through your kingdom come lord your will be done like the red sea the israelites didn't go above it but they went under and through it right on the bottom of the ocean. That's why we read in Galatians chapter 3 that Paul calls out the hypocrisy of some of these apostles and some of these leaders by revealing that they're going back to the way of traditions and picking titles and picking names for themselves as it says in the word for as for whatever they were, it made no difference to me. It added nothing to my message. I preached the same gospel to them as I preached to the Gentiles. So, After Jesus' ascension into heaven, because the kingdom was given to the church, until Christ comes back for his second coming, because of this, we're left with this big gap, a big question how to accomplish the great commission and how services should be conducted, rather on Saturday or Sunday. What to eat, what not to eat, what is holy and what isn't. Now, Jesus did these things in such a way that although the word says that God changes not, however it did change everything that ought to tell us something that has to tell us something that by the way that Jesus lived that changed everything because it shows us how many things came from man and how many things comes from God have we really become so distant from love that we have lost the way that if God never changes. Then why is it that worship is acceptable on both Sunday and Saturday? And this is extremely important to understand here. Very significant to get. And I think that many churches and leaders have forgotten this. This is why we have thousands of different denominations around the world. And why division exists among the church. And why division exists among denominations and Christians. Because we're all fighting back and forth over doctrines and theology. There... Is no hierarchy in heaven. Absolutely none. No hierarchy exists up there. None. There is only but one God, one king, one ruler, one Messiah, one teacher, and one leader. There are no equals to Jesus. Nobody is equal to God. No one. Don't miss this, people. Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 11. Jesus talks about this. He teaches about this. He tells us the significance and the importance of this. That there isn't a single hierarchy in heaven. That in his kingdom, there is no hierarchy. And he is teaching in this chapter on the significance of humility. The Father spoke to Israel as one. Jesus spoke to us, to the one individual which makes up the whole. If you want unity, the unity cannot exist if there's one person above the other. Unity can exist when there's more value or significance placed upon one person over another there can't be unity when there's favoritism or traditions or anything else there cannot be unity unity cannot happen if there is positions or hierarchy systems among the body of Christ so Jesus knowing this is telling his disciples don't be like Israel don't be like the world because of your love for one another they will know that you are my disciples. So he says in verse 8 of Matthew 23, But you're not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher. You are all brothers. And do not call anybody on earth father, for you have one father who is in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. And although there are government ruling systems here on earth that we know of today, as it says that it is God who raises up both these kings and these governments and brings down these kings and governments, but that is not how the kingdom of God operates in heaven. The government systems on the earth are for the purposes of ruling the earth. Yet the kingdom... The world is very different than the kingdom of heaven, than the church. The evil and the corrupt rule over themselves. That's their reward. But the church is ruled by God. The church is ruled by love. Okay, one system is by evil and by hate and by greed, but the other system is by love, by selflessness, by sacrifice. And although God's word does tell us to submit to our governing authorities, we are not to act as they do. We are not to lead as they do. We aren't the, their kingdom. The church is not the kingdom of the world. We belong to an entirely different kingdom. We belong to heaven. We are citizens of heaven where love is our law. One law we obey because we're forced to obey it and follow. Otherwise, there are penalties such as death or being incarcerated now the other law lives within us and we obey that law by choice and it's through love god's law the law of christ now does love force its way no love does not force its way but love and faith are both rewarded by god so there is a significant difference in these two laws in these two very different kingdoms unity in heaven has no hierarchy there's a difference It's in the Lord's Prayer. We pray it all the time. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We are praying God's kingdom come and God's will be done, but yet we are still making ourselves equal to Christ. We're still promoting these hierarchy systems. Maybe not intentionally or deliberately, but we are indeed doing it. Because how many of us call ourselves pastors? How many of us call or even the pastor of our church we call them pastor so-and-so how many of us have picked these titles for ourselves like prophet so-and-so pastor so-and-so evangelist so-and-so apostle so-and-so but yet we are praying for revival and for unity in the church while we are still exalting ourselves through these titles now god did indeed give these various callings to various people in his church for the edification and the building up of his church, like the callings of being a pastoring and the calling of prophesying and to the evangelists and teachers. But some of us in the church have used these callings as a, a means to build up ourselves or promote ourselves rather than build up the church. When the pastor can pastor without being the pastor When the prophet can prophesy without being the prophet. When the teacher can teach without being the teacher. When we can humble ourselves and get away outside of these callings and these titles for ourselves and promoting ourselves, I believe that is when we're going to see real revival and unity. That's when we'll see real change and repentance around around the church. So this is exactly what Israel did. That's how they acted. And yet Jesus tells us, do not do that. Don't do what they did. So the apostles, they appointed elders and leaders among the church to help these churches get planted and help them to grow. But this way somehow over time got perverted. So Paul is addressing some of these claims here in Romans chapter 14, such as the Sabbath and also uh, according to Jewish customs and traditions and with eating various foods. Romans chapter 14, starting in verses 1, it reads, Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over dispute matters. Now, I wanted to mention here that this... Word weak, what Paul is identifying as the weaker faith isn't the Gentiles, but rather it is the Jewish people. He says in verse two one person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables, so Paul's talking about the Jewish people about he con- he considers the church having greater faith than the Israelites than the Jews because of uh, just simply by the way they choose to eat. Now, the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them both. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servant stand or fall. And they will stand for the Lord is able to make them stand. Now, Jesus is saying here that both the Christian and the Jew, their master is both God. So, don't judge one over the other. Now, one person considers one day more sacred than the other. We're talking about Saturday versus Sunday. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. However, whoever regards one day as special does so in the Lord. Now, Verse 14, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every single knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, Joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us, therefore, make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Paul is saying right here that the kingdom of God, it's not the certain day, it's not the certain food that identifies who the kingdom of God is. It's not what makes us his kingdom or his church. We're not holy because of the certain foods that we eat. We're not holy because of the day we choose to worship. We're holy simply because of who God is, because of Jesus. Now, Paul makes it very clear right here in verse 2 that is by faith through Jesus that anyone who does eat or worships at all, regardless of how we eat or what we eat or when we worship, rather Saturday or Sunday, we are not to judge anybody else, one another, or condemn one another according to those things. Because regardless, if we do it in Jesus, they are acceptable to Christ because of who Christ is. Now, verse 12 says that each person will give an account to of ourselves to God. There is a purpose for both Saturday and Sunday. There is a purpose for both the Jew and the Gentile. And yet we're acting like one is above the other, that one way is more holier than the other. But yet God has ordained both Jew and Gentile, both Saturday and Sunday, for very special purposes. So although many claim that the times, the days, and the seasons, all these things, Saturday and Sunday, was changed due to paganism, I would argue to you that they weren't changed because of paganism, but rather for favor according to the word of the Lord and to the Gentiles who worship Jesus. It's not paganism. It's not satanic. It's not evil. It's God honoring the words of his son, Jesus, for the purpose of his kingdom, for the purpose of unity through all people, all nations, and all tongues. Now, how would you feel if your children murdered you, if they rejected you? if they shamed you, if they dishonored you, they brought humiliation to you and they ruined and trampled your name and were disobedient to you. Would you want to honor their traditions and customs? No. Now, what good did any of that do? The very purpose of all those things was to reveal Christ and his kingdom, the traditions, the laws, of the Jews. There's many verses that talk about it, that the purpose of the law wasn't to sanctify, but yet the purpose of the law was to condemn, though that through grace, through Christ, that we might be saved. It was to show our faults and our, and our flaws and our sins, that we cannot do it, that we are not God. Now think about this for a moment. Think about it. Isaiah 64, 6, which says that our righteous deeds are like filthy rags to God. It's like the time when God sent the flood over the earth, where he resented mankind because of their evil sins and their deeds. God here is, in a way, kind of resenting these traditions that Israel created. And he's preferring the Gentiles who actually accept and worship Christ. So therefore, it only seems logical to me that God, the Father, would honor these days, these times and holidays that bring honor and glory to his son Jesus and to him. Sunday, Christmas, Easter, regardless of their origins, all of them bring honor and glory to Christ and God the Father because of Jesus So Christ has made every single one of them prospered. Now, can we truthfully deny that? Can we sit here and say that Christ has rejected Christmas, December 25th? That Christ has rejected Easter, which we celebrate, the birth and the resurrection, the death and resurrection of Christ? Now, if that was the case, God's glory would be completely hidden from the whole earth and the entire earth would already be in ruins in the name of witchcraft. Can God deny Himself? Can Jesus deny His very Word? No, He cannot. He doesn't. For the sake of Christ, for the sake of love, for the sake of His name's sake. Now there are some examples in which it, that exist today that Christians fight over and debate on pay, paganism and satanic rituals. I'm going to give you four examples and show you how God has used each example. For his glory and his honor, according to Jesus. So, first we have the birth of Christ. It's celebrated traditionally in December 25th as Christmas. Some don't celebrate Christmas because this day was once indeed a pagan holiday. That is true. But it was changed to recognize the birth of Christ. Now we know historically and scientifically, according to various supporting evidences of scripture and historical documents that. It is more likely that the birth of Christ actually happened in in September. So why do we celebrate in December? And the answer is because God took something that was meant for evil and turned it into good. We see that example in every single life. That comes into Christ. Yet we were all sinners, but Jesus died and saved every single one of us who believe in him. This is an exact perfect example of something evil that was turned for the glory of God. Can we truly deny that? Second, as an example where we have two distinct calendar systems, there's the Hebrew calendar and the Gentile calendar. Now, the Gentile calendar system, we are in the year A.D. 2018, which is based upon a solar calendar, and it's after the birth and the death of Christ which, you know, B.C. is before Christ and A.D. is after the death of Christ. But yet Israel's calendar does not recognize the birth and death of Christ, and it's based upon a lunar calendar. So right now they're in the year 5779. And I think it's incredible that God changed the times in such a way that every single day that we wake up literally honors his son Christ. Rather, B.C. or A.D., every single day has the name of Christ on it. When we say that verse, for rejoice, for this is the day that the Lord has made, now we can say literally this is the day that the Lord has made because our calendar system is based after the birth and death of him. Now, a third example, the death and the resurrection of Christ is celebrated on Easter which coincides near the time of the Jewish festival of Passover, which resulted in the change of worshiping Christ not on Saturday, but rather either Saturday or both Saturday and Sunday. Because Jesus was crucified on the Sabbath of Friday evening at 3 p.m., and then he was resurrected on Sunday. This is a perfect example of turning a law that meant for death the death in which Christ literally died because of sin, but God turned it into good through the resurrection of Christ on Sunday. That all who believe in him and his son Jesus have the chance to also know God the Father, just as Israel has given that chance. Now, Israel seeks God on Saturday, but the Christ seeks Christ on Sunday. But it is through Jesus, rather, that both are acceptable, either Saturday or Sunday. So it is clear to me this was not done accidentally or satanically, but rather it was ordained and allowed to happen intentionally. It seems like God has literally blessed both Saturday and Sunday. That God has blessed both that God has blessed both Passover and Easter. That He has blessed both the Jewish birth of Jesus and the Gentile celebration of Jesus of his birth on christmas december 25th god has blessed both calendar dates both hebrew and gentile but the favor right now is not upon israel but it's on the gentiles according to romans 11:11. 11, 11. this is because the gentiles have accepted christ where israel rejected christ why else is the nation of the united states so blessed Why else did God use the United States to reform and reestablish Israel? Not because the United States is the new Israel, but rather the United States is the example to and of Israel. Israel made a foreigner of Jesus. They rejected him as their Messiah, as their king. They rejected him as God and as the Son of God. They rejected him and made him a foreigner of them. So, Christ went to the Gentiles, where us as Gentiles have accepted him. We believe in him. The United States was formed by the rejected foreigners of all nations and multitudes. It says it right there on the Statue of Liberty. So, God formed a nation of the foreigners, of the humble. God made a nation out of immigrants, and he took that nation and very poetically he reformed from that nation. Israel. God remade Israel and rebirthed Israel through and from the United States, a nation of immigrants and foreigners. Israel made a foreigner of God, so God scattered them. And then God took all these foreigners. He made a nation out of them and then remade and rebirthed Israel. It was the United States who first acknowledged the sovereignty of Israel as a nation. It was the United States who gave Israel's first loan and the finances for them to rebuild their cities. It was God who did this, but yet we're still having a hard time of understanding and believing this, of getting it. We still can't figure out the purpose of the United States, but there it is. And there's an even greater and more deeper mystery, which is taking place right now in our present time between Jew and Gentile, which is a pattern and a theme that speaks unity, which is taking place now, I appreciate in all of our podcasts about the purpose of the presence of the United States, of President Donald Trump, which was to reaffirm Jerusalem, to do away with political correctness, which I believe is to inspire Israel, according to Romans 11.11. 11. Now, look at what is happening. Look, the way of the church shows the way to Israel. We are to be the inspiration to the Jews. Now, look at our calendar systems. Between the Gentiles and Israel. Both are aligning up at the same time. It shows a pattern of unity. And I think that message speaks volumes to me. In January, it will be both Hebrew year 5779 and year 2019. 2019. The number nine. It has been that way. It's been this way for the last nine years. And it's going to continue in harmony. It's about unity. And I preached before that nine is a number of unity there are nine gifts of the spirit there are nine fruit of the spirit there at the ninth hour of prayer on the day of pentecost the gifts of the spirit were given the ninth month of september is the harvest month where israel brings the tithes and the offerings to the lord the trinity is made up of three sets of three three times three times three equals nine. The Trinity represents the fullness and unity of the Holy Trinity. Unity is what lies ahead, and I believe is the message and the calling of which God is speaking to us. It's not about one tradition or one custom over another. It's not about one person above the other. It's not about any of those things. It's not about Israel or the Gentile way of worship, but rather it's about being together in unity under Christ. But we can't have unity when we keep imposing one way over another. We can't have unity when we keep exalting these titles and these positions of ourselves over another. We can't. It just can't happen. And the truth of the matter is that Jesus prefers neither the left or the right, but acknowledges both Saturday and Sunday, both Easter and Passover. He acknowledges both his Jewish birth and the Christmas celebration of his birth. Now, you can't deny that God hasn't blessed and ordained it, because why else has it so widely prospered? Therefore, whether we worship on Saturday or Sunday, Christ accepts both of them. God accepts both of them. But right now, God is deaf, to every, he is deaf to Israel because they've rejected him. So pray for them. That is the way of Jesus. Christ accepts each and every single one of us who turns from our sins and we accept him. The message is unity. The message is love, humility, serve and prefer one another. Now, these festivals and these times of worship, whether Jewish or Gentile, are meant to serve as signs that will bring about unity, that will declare unity, obedience, and deliverance and redemption from sin among both Jews and Gentiles under Jesus. It says it and declares it from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, let them serve as signs to mark sacred times, days, and years. Let them be the lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. And wherever you read throughout the entire Bible concerning prophecy or symbolism, symbolism, The sun in every situation represents the Gentiles and the moon in every situation represents Israel. And notice that the sun and the moon were not even created until the fourth day of creation. It wasn't they weren't created on the first day. It is the sun that gives the moon its light. The moon does not shine at all, but rather it reflects the light of the sun. It's the sun that determines the time. 24 hours. It's the sun that sets the seasons, rather summer, winter, fall, or spring. It's the sun that sustains all life on earth, and it provides the warmth. But it is also the moon that brings about rain, climate, and harvest. The moon causes the tides and currents among the ocean, and those tides distribute and regulate temperature for the entire earth. God's entire prophetic timeline, and every single book throughout the entire Bible is always a cause and effect in relation to Israel's obedience or disobedience, how Israel acts and reacts within the world according to God's word. I've talked about this in almost all of the podcasts previously. August 23rd, 2017, we had the Great American Eclipse. September 23rd, 2017, we had the Revelation 12 sign. And shortly after, the United States recognizes Jerusalem. And shortly after that, the U.S. Embassy is moved to Jerusalem. The sun is the United States. The moon is Israel. And the United States represents all of the nations around the world. All of them. All people groups. All languages. All tribes. Now, is this a coincidence? Not at all. This tells us and reveals to us the relation between both Israel and the Gentiles and how God operates. They both serve one another and work together in conjunction and discerning the difference between night and day, right and wrong, good and evil. Discerning the difference between Christ and of the devil. The sun gives light in the day and the sun also gives light, which is reflected off the moon in the night, the church and Israel that's what it is the light is christ christ shines upon his church in return the church is the example to israel that is why we have both saturday and sunday this is why we have both passover and easter this is why we have a jewish messiah but yet we still worship him in december this is why it's the reason for it all now let us seek unity Let us seek Jesus together, my fellow brothers and sisters. I want to challenge every single ministry and church leader here that's listening to this podcast right now to take time to really think about this. To think, perhaps to do away with our titles. To do away with those positions that we call ourselves, to humble ourselves in a way and how we represent our ministries and our churches to seek humility and to serve one another in every way including the ways in which shape and form us and how we exalt Christ above ourselves that's why although I am ordained although I am ordained and although I have all the credentials, credentials and the colleges of theology and the pastoral studies I don't call myself anything else But I call myself the chief sinner because we're all sinners we're all saved we're all sinners but yet saved by the grace of Christ there is only one Messiah there's only one king and there is only one teacher there's only one God and his name is Jesus I'm so thankful for this opportunity to share this word with you you know all signs to christ everything rather sunday or sunday everything points to jesus it doesn't matter we're all together in christ he died for every single one of us and every day that we worship him is blessed and accepted to him because of his name now if you're there and you've been struggling with this. I just pray that these words resonate in your mind and your heart, that they provoke you to faith. They provoke you to humility. They provoke you to set everything else aside and to promote Christ. Some of us have gotten in the pattern and the tradition of promoting ourselves through a title. Hey, I'm pastor so-and-so. I'm apostle so-and-so. And we don't mean it ill intentionally, but yet, By doing this, we have promoted ourselves over others, and it's caused this division. And we think of ourselves more blessed than others, but that's not the way. That promotes division, my friends, my fellow brothers and sisters. So if that's you today, I pray that you consider these words. You let it resonate in your heart. And you think of unity. You consider unity. You pray for the unification between the the different denominations. And I just want you to pray with me today. I want you to pray with me. I want you to seek humility. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins. We thank you, Father, for your very word, for your Holy Spirit, Lord, that has revealed your ways to us. We, I am so thankful for the way of humility, for the way of serving one another. Now, Father, please forgive us of our sins. If we have ever promoted ourselves over anybody else, I pray you please forgive us. Reveal it to us, Lord. And I pray that we rather seek to promote unity, that we promote and prefer one over another, that we serve one over another. We serve each other, Lord. And I pray that we turn back, that your church repents from these things. And I pray that Israel sees the example of your church and they find the way let us seek humility let us seek unity O oh lord i pray you show us the way you lead us O oh lord i pray that we join together with one another and it's in your name and your example oh jesus that we pray we pray for healing in your church oh name in your name O oh jesus that we pray amen You can find other great teachings just like this one on our website at tribeofchristians.com. You can also follow us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Please don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. Help share this message for others to hear the gospel message. This concludes this podcast episode. I am the Chief Sinner with the Tribe of Christians. and May God bless you and always be with you.